So in World War II, it turns out the Japanese fighter pilots would occasionally do what's called a kamikaze attack as they crash their planes into allied ships. And it turns out they might actually have a lot in common with certain types of bacteria. We're going to talk about all about this and so much more on this episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. So it's probably unlikely that in your day-to-day conversations and your day-to-day musings and thoughts that you linked up bacteria with Japanese fighter pilots who are crashing their planes into allied ships. Now, um, if you have not made that connection, that is totally fine. I didn't make that connection until somewhat recently. But in order to understand that, we need to spend a little bit of time investigating bacterial weapons and bacterial warfare. Um, And that's going to be a super, super fun discussion. But before we get into that, I'd like to welcome each and every single one of you back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria with your host, Dr. K. As always, I'm your host, Dr. K, and I'm here to guide you on this incredible journey of discovery as we jump into the lives of the tiny and the infamous, the incredible, the amazing, the adorable bacteria. Now, um, before we jump into um, the actual content for today, don't forget to hit that follow button. Don't forget to hit that like, share, subscribe, or whatever it is here on the YouTubes. Now that we are officially live on the YouTubes, woot woot to everyone who's been listening to Spotify and Apple Podcasts up until this juncture. Now you can watch it on the YouTube. So that's very, very exciting. Um, So yeah, make sure you hit that like, follow, subscribe button and all that good stuff. Make sure if you are listening to the podcast, um, well, number one, have a link to the podcast in the details of YouTube. Gosh, I got to use my spiel now that I'm doing things on the YouTubes. Um... Yeah, so be sure to do that. Leave a five-star review. It'd be super, super great. He helps keeping helps keep the channel and keep the podcast going. So be sure to support as much as you possibly can. Now, enough of that nonsense. Let us jump into the actual science. So um, in order to understand what's happening here, we need to understand a little bit about how bacteria engage with each other and engage with eukaryotes in general, especially when they're trying to infect us or something like this. Um, The first big concept that we need to understand here is the fact that bacteria are super, 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 super tiny, right? The, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like those little scale things, but bacteria are super, super small compared to just a basic eukaryotic cell. Even the smallest of eukaryotic cells that we have in our own bodies are way, way, way larger than any bacterial cell that is just trundling along. And so that's fine. That's fine and all. But the problem is if a bacteria wants to go about trying to attack an enormous organism such as we, right, they're really limited when it comes to their attack potency. You can't just have one bacteria and send that one off to take over a a huge organism such as we, right? So they have to have, they're really limited by their size. They're really limited in terms of the attack potency that they have. And so in order to deal with this, They have to come up with these really smart, really cool ways of collaborating with other bacteria and then also being really sneaky in the way that they attack us, right? So that's really, really important to understand. And one of the ways that they do this is through a series of um, things called secretion systems, right? All a secretion system is, you can kind of think about it as as a molecular machine, right? It's a way, it's a molecular machine that bacteria can use as a way of attacking certain types of cells, as a way of escaping certain types of cells, um, as a way of navigating the very complicated environment that is, say, a human that you're trying to infect. Now, there's a whole bunch of different types of secretion systems. There's like type 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. I think there's up to 12 now at this point, but I'm not 100% unsure 100% sure on that one. But some of these secretion systems are really, really cool. There's one that's called like a type 4 secretion system. It's like a a so-called type 4 pillus. 
And what that is, it's kind of like a little grappling hook that I can use to snake out and then grab a hold of things. There's this really, really cool um, GIF on, on the interwebs where you see this little um, bacteria. It's shooting out a little grappling hook and trying to pull something back towards it. It's really, really cool stuff. Now, the, again, the whole challenge for bacteria is to somehow use some of these weapon systems, these secretion systems, as a way of gaining a toehold, getting a better, gaining an advantage when they're trying to kill or at least um, survive in the human organism. So what are some examples of how bacteria are able to gain access, to gain deeper access to the host organism, especially bearing in mind the fact that the human immune system is actually super, super tough. And so it's going to be trying to knock out the bacteria as it's trying to come in, right? So bacteria is trying to swoop in, trying to establish a toehold in the human organism, and they're running into two problems now. Number one, they're running into the problem of size, right? And then number two, they're running into the fact that the human immune system is trying to fight back and kill the bacteria. So there are, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of different ways that bacteria can try and piece together an assault. Um, and actually some really, really cool science emerges out of this. So what are some examples of how bacteria are trying to gain access to the host? Well, there's one that's really, really recent. It actually happened just, let's see, let me look. Yeah, just only a couple months ago. Um, and this comes out of the Max Planck Institute of Molecular Physiology. The Max Planck Institute of molecular physiology. So what they did um, is they published this really cool paper. It was back in, in January. And what they did is they were looking at this particular bacteria called Yersinia, ooh, Yersinia entomophaga. Yersinia entomophaga. I'm going to call it Yersinia from now on. Yersinia, is, if you guys have listened to the podcast at all, Yersinia is the basis of uh, the Black Plague, the bubonic plague that emerged from so-called so from Yersinia pestis. So very, very cool stuff. Now, this particular form of Yersinia, Yersinia entomophagia, is kind of divided into two main sectors, right? They can have these so-called main infectors who are actually doing the process of infection in the human, right? And then there's also these things called scout cells. And these scout cells, they are just exactly what they sound like. So you ship a whole bunch of these scout cells into the human organism first, Right, as a way of kind of figuring out what's going on. And then once you've established a toehold there, that's when you can send the main infectors in. That's the game plan. Now, how do you go about doing this when there's so many immune cells that are trundling about trying to eat you? Now, this is where it was got really, really cool. So it turns out that Yersinia had one of these secretion systems that I mentioned ago, so-called type 10 secretion system. Now, type 10 secretion system is really cool, and it's still emerging. We're learning a lot about it right now. Um, but one thing that type 10 secretion systems can do is they can detect, detect changes in the temperature and detect changes in the acidity of a given environment. And what you can do then with that is once they have detected that environmental cue, then they can signal a whole bunch of different changes inside the bacteria itself. So you can envision a situation where there's a bacteria, it's uh, running around in a particular environment with a particular acidity, right? And so in one environment, it does one function. And then once it goes into another environment with a different kind of acidity, this type 10 secretion system senses that and then causes a different function in the bacteria. Now, so that's very, very, very cool. And so what was happening here is this type 10 secretion system was sensing that they were in an environment like the like the human organism, right? And then once that happened, once they detected, hey, I'm inside a human, and there's this huge 
radical change in the genetics of these scout cells. And what they did is they started making a whole bunch of these toxic compounds that would be dangerous and deadly for human cells. Once they did that, once they made whole bunches and barrels of all of these toxic compounds, then each of these scout cells would just rush whole swaths of eukaryotic cells, so whole swaths of human cells, and they would burst themselves all over the human cells. And this would release all of those toxins that they had built up inside the bacterial cell and just bomb all of these um, all of these human cells and kill all of them. Now, what's really cool then is once these scout cells would drop all this stuff and then clear out a whole chunk of eukaryotic human cells, then that would make this really, really big area where there were just there was no cells in any anywhere close, right? And so what would happen then is those main infector cells they could swoop on in, right? They could swoop on in that into that environment and then. Once they've established that toehold, then they can initiate the infection, okay? So essentially what these scout cells were doing is they were kamikazeing themselves. They were blowing themselves up, releasing all these toxins, clearing out a whole bunch of human cells, and then allowing the rest of the cells, those main infector cells, to establish a toehold and then start proceeding with the infection, right? So very, very cool stuff. Let's wrap this up and then we can get out of here. Number one, bacteria, you may know, are always down for a fight whether that be other bacteria, other viruses, even us. Number two, even though they're willing to tackle humans, bacteria run to the issue of scale and they run to the issue of the human immune system. Number three, bacteria have a bunch of weapon systems in place to try and help to take us down in spite of these problems. Number four, a version of Yersinia, remember Yersinia is related to the, to the bubonic plague, has this really cool mechanism of sensing when they're in the presence of human cells. And finally, number four, excuse me, number five, using a type 10 secretion system, then these cells kamikaze themselves, bombing a whole bunch of the human cells and opening it up for the main invasion. It's a really, really cool example of multiple different things. Number one, it's a really, really cool example of collaboration between bacteria, right? Even though even though the Yersinia soldier cells are going to die, right? They have no problem. Just like, all right, we're just going to go and just bomb this whole area. It's a really cool um, example of teamwork in bacteria. Um, and it's also really neat just to the, the how militaristic some of these bacteria can get when they're trying to do infection. Um, anyway, guys, that's all I have for you today. Uh, I thought it was really, really cool. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, hope you guys learned something. And... Um, Hope you guys will join me again next week on another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria.